0: hi there it's your second favorite co-host here just to let you know that felicity and i recorded a couple of episodes with a student from the u.s and we decided we'd play the second of those two first because as you'll hear we get into some interesting election stuff and given that we're only a little bit uh, a little bit away from the election thought it would be more topical so there may be a few references to uh the first episode which hasn't been published yet don't despair you will get that one later and so on to the show
1: just been something that i've been struggling with you know watching this election go on over the past Years, months, however long it takes an election to run here, um, is that, you know, at a certain point over the past four years, I just struggle to understand what would make somebody a Trump supporter and have somebody remain a Trump supporter.
0: Welcome to What law got to do with it a light-hearted look at life in law school. I'm Professor Richard Haig
2: and I'm 3L law student Felicity Redan.
0: Felicity how are things today?
2: Things are all right just you know same old steel.
0: (laughs) Same old same old.
2: I just realized that was never we should cut this out that's very much a my section joke because john mccamus used to say it all the time uh in in contracts um about how like you can't have the same contract like no new consideration and it was a steel contract is the case and he would say same old steel Okay. And he, he has like these lines that are, yeah. So we should do that. No, I, no,
0: I'm not, I'm not cutting that out. That was great. I had no idea. That's a good one. Same old, steel. Same old steel. Same old steel.
2: He's got all these like sayings and that's, that's a good one.
0: Okay. But you're right. Only a few people. You're in the club. I guess you get to know that. That's so here's a- my question for you today, since you've just kind of, what's your favorite contract law case? You've got to your mind back two years.
2: I mean, I may be forgetting some good ones, but my my favorite one is for sure uh, the foreseeability. I don't remember the name of it right now, but there's a foreseeability case where the guy is like on a horse going to his bride and he needs a new horseshoe and the blacksmith like biffs the horseshoe and does a bad job and the guy misses his wedding and the wife marries someone else and he sues for the money that he lost in the marriage. Come on. That is the best contracts case. I have
0: never heard of that case.
2: It's fantastic. There's like a line in the judgment that's like the blacksmith couldn't have foreseen how flighty the bride would have been.
1: <laughs>
0: uh, would recommend. Well, we need our, we need listeners out there to tell us what case that is because I'm not going <laughs> to yeah. research it and I'm not letting Felicity research it. I want I want a audience participation on that one. That's great though. Thanks for that. Same old steel. I was steel. ready for that. Same old Same steel. Old steel. <laughs> All right. Over to you, Felicity, to introduce All right. Guest.
2: After we've droned on enough about contracts law, um, we will introduce our guest, who is a returning guest, but uh, for the listener's benefit, Erin uh, McCready is one of my friends from undergrad and from the world of Quidditch. So I'll have her just introduce herself a little more broadly.
1: Um, hi, everybody. Thank you for having me on the podcast. Uh, as Felicity said, my name is Erin McCready. I am originally from London, Ontario, and went to the University of Ottawa with Felicity uh, to play Quidditch and also learn <laughs> things. Um, and I am currently a 3L at Northeastern University School of Law in Boston, Massachusetts.
0: That is which great. Which is also known as?
1: Which is also known as Newsel. Newsel. Newsel,
0: yes. We got that last time we had you on, and Felicity loved that. Actually, Felicity, really Felicity thought that it's not fair that we don't have a great nickname at our law school. I don't know if any Canadian law schools have great nicknames. but
2: Nothing like Newso. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so good.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's just because of the way the, the letters work, though.
2: Right? <laughs> well, I guess we need to rename the law school. Yes. It's not at Osgood anymore anyway. So so our, we, we Osgood, can do it
0: Osgood is OHLS. That's a lousy one. You can't really make much of that. Oh, oh. oh.
2: <laughs> Don't like it.
0: Yeah. Anyway.
2: All right, now that we've given Aaron enough lead up, uh, she knows that the most important question of the podcast, Drumroll, is what is your second favorite uh, law related movie or
1: TV show? <laughs> Uh, Since I have been told that Legally Blonde 2 is not a permissible answer, uh, I'm going to pivot it to my favorite law-related podcast, uh, which after this one, one? um, my second favorite law-related podcast uh, is More Perfect, uh, which looks into Supreme Court cases in the United States, um, sort of how they got to where they are and their impact today. Well, I think we should start the story on June 25th, 1969. Well, first, you should say who you are. I'm Susie Lechtenberg.
0: I'm Jan Rod. This is more perfect. Okay, so why uh, why June 20? When was it?
1: June 25th, 1969. Why then? Uh, Supreme Court Chief Justice Earl Warren is retiring. Earl Warren of the Warren Court.
2: Is that, um, a, is that a big court?
1: Yeah, that's really big. <laughs> <laughs> no,
0: yeah. no, come on, humor me.
1: I think if you think of legendary Supreme Court justices, he's probably in, I don't know, the top five.
0: So he was one of the Mount Olympians.
1: He's a a big deal. Constitutional rights. All right, Um, so he's retiring. So he's retiring. He's been on the court for 16 years, and he's in an interview, and he's asked...
0: "What would you list Mr. Chief Justice as the Supreme Court's most important decision in your 16 years? That's good. I think that's our first ever podcast vote for this. It is...
2: It is not. No, you're um, right. Jenna, Jenna had a podcast. Uh, yes,
0: you're better. Than, it, it's good that the co-host, who wasn't even a co-host at the time, remembers <laughs> that. Because I, I as I was saying those words, I was thinking, you know, somebody did. But I couldn't remember if it was a podcast or something else. Anyway, that's good. That's a good one, too. I have listened to More Perfect a lot. Although I found it. He has it,
2: also uh, assigned it as a reading in constitutional
1: law. Yes. I will have you know. <laughs>
0: See, See, I'm up on these American things. I found that it went a bit off the rails, so uh, I liked it earlier on, yeah.
1: Yeah, I, it was a really helpful primer when I started considering coming to the United States for law school and trying to catch up on what constitutional law I should know before I got here. Um, but then by the time I was here and it had moved into the uh, like the musical Songs, album season... Yeah. I didn't get like quite as much like tangible notes to bring into his class with Ooh, me as I was hoping. That was a c-
0: clever use of the word notes to connect ah. the songs and the.
1: <laughs> oh, was that deliberate? That was no,
2: great. Was oh,
0: I was giving you more credit than you.
2: Aaron, first lesson, you got to lean into that. Yeah. And yes, it was where... deliberate. Thank you.
0: Especially in front of a prof. Um, so the reason, yeah, we wanted to have Aaron back because, As we were talking last podcast with Aaron, I was keen to ask a question, but we were running out of time. So, and it it related to the idea of, Aaron was talking about living in the U.S., the conditions in the U.S. currently. So I wondered, what is it like in the U.S. going to law school? and? are your professors as kind of are they anti-trump let's just put it bluntly <laughs>
2: <laughs> just just dive right into that yeah, can of worms. yeah, I,
0: I'm not going to beat about the bush are how 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 do your professors treat the current government in the the US do they shy away um, from it or they get right into it
1: uh, I think I mean, of course, it varies a little bit from professor to professor. But I think the the overarching theme is that they would dive into it and talk about it and spend all class talking about it if they could. Um, but they've got other stuff that they need to be teaching us as well. Um, so I had a professor who would um, some days, like if there was something particular in the news that was, you know, particularly egregious. Um, he would say, OK, I'm going to take a couple of minutes, just rant about it, the, and then we're going to put it away. Uh, but I just need to talk about this. Um, or we had my constitutional law professor who, uh, at the beginning of the semester, uh, sort of in her you know, going through the syllabus, and this is how the course is going to work, set aside time to basically say, also, since you're in law school, and you're learning constitutional law, and all of this is happening around you, a lot of people are going to ask you what things happening in the news mean um so then she put together an assignment where at the beginning of every class two of us would have to come up and present on a newspaper article from that week and what the constitutional law issues in that were so that we could sort of crowdsource the information we needed to answer people's questions about law <laughs> when people would be like can trump really do that
2: <laughs> and the answer is almost always no but he's like, gonna. he sure is gonna try isn't he <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, that's interesting. So you don't get the sense that any anyone is kind of a Trump supporter? Or if they are, they're very, very quiet about it. Is that uh, fair to say?
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, particularly, like, uh, NUSL is a school that is very public interest and social justice focused. Um, so I think that the types of professors and students that it attracts uh, wouldn't typically be Trump supporters. Um, so I certainly haven't come across a professor who has talked openly about, uh, being a Trump Republican, um, or I mean, any type of Republican really, but especially,
0: oh, <laughs> any don't type we, of
1: I mean, I, I don't know, I don't know political leanings. I don't want to make assumptions, but certainly there's not a lot of pro Trump sentiment happening in my classrooms, which is good. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I was going to ask, I wonder, I guess that extends to the students in the class, because I think a lot of the places that could get trickier um, in maybe some other law schools or other areas of the states, but would be like the the things that people are sharing and opinions people are voicing in class.
1: Yeah. And I would say, I think one thing about being at a school that really sort of sells itself as pretty left leaning to begin with is that the the tone of the classroom discussion in general is a little bit more of a consensus in that direction than you might get at other schools. Um, You know, you still do get the occasional person playing devil's advocate, um, but they know that they're doing it uh, when they sort of stray toward that side. Whereas I think particularly because we have professors who teach a lot of cases in kind of like a credible race theory context or sort of taking time to unpack the like white supremacy that's in these cases that we're reading and that sort of stuff. It sets a tone in the classroom uh, that I think makes it a little bit less appealing for people with contrary views to raise their hand.
0: (laughs) So if we broaden this out a bit, Felicity, what about you? What's your experience in that? regard at our university or our law school?
2: Yeah, um, so this is actually something that I, I spent, I spent a long time trying to choose a law school, which in hindsight, if anyone, again, is listening and hasn't chosen a law school yet, it's less of a big deal than you think it is, like just pull the trigger. Um, <laughs> but that said, um, I I think Osgood is like kind of a, a case study in that. And I the reason for that is because Osgood is quite does have that social interest, um, like public interest bend to it historically, but it's also in Toronto. Um, and a lot of people who go to Osgoode didn't get into U of T uh, um, and are, are there because they want to work on Bay Street. Um, not to say that everyone who is at Osgoode wanted to go to U of T, just to say that I, I think Osgoode is actually an interesting split in the class between people who are interested in that public interest bend and people who are interested in private law, um, which creates some interesting class discussions and not just in constitutional law shockingly i think more frequently in criminal law um, Mm -hmm. and evidence like people have some i would use the word problematic they probably wouldn't um there's just just some interesting some diverse opinions there i think that i wouldn't have necessarily expected it Osgood, um but yeah
0: well and that's so in in faculty terms i think it's you know I, i I have to be careful what I say as well, but I think there's there's, <laughs> there's clearly a dive a difference in faculty between those that sort of are private law people and that's their focus and that's what they you know they teach business law they teach commercial law, and those of us in the public law stream that teach constitutional criminal etc. And yet I would say that even our the faculty that are private law instructors are typically you know they they may believe in. This, capitalist system and the ability to make money and all of that but they're kind of center or center left at best i and yet i wonder though sometimes whether people don't self-censor especially and if the 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 question would be in the states whether you do it even more because if you outed yourself as a trump supporter on (laughs) faculty it could be quite uh quite a problem for just collegiality that didn't garner much response from my guest or my co-host. It's, uh, it just you're both agree- in agreement, surely, I was trying to provoke that was clearly not didn't didn't work.
1: <laughs> no, sorry, and i I agree with your point, I think um, where I struggle to respond to it, and I think that this has just been something that I've been struggling with, you know, watching this election go on over the past years months however long it takes an election to run here um is that you know at a certain point over the past four years i just struggle to understand what would make somebody a trump supporter and have somebody remain a trump supporter um so i i definitely struggle with like empathy and like understanding where somebody like how those views would come up and like where this is not articulate we might want to cut this <laughs>
2: <laughs> no no Keep no going. i think Keep i get on. i think i get what you're yeah. saying it's like hard to have and i think this is something the world is struggling with is it's like difficult to have an intellectually challenging discussion with someone you're just so far away from
0: right and I, and so you know to make it a little easier to understand and i, it's, I was about to give you this example i had a colleague about seven eight years ago during the harper government in canada who said in a at a conference a, a law conference with other scholars but he basically got up and said you know i i have tried my entire career to teach my classes in a nonpartisan, neutral way but i find it impossible to be quiet about what's happening in this country and this was under harper right? Which would the comparator would be George W. Bush, probably, where mm-hmm. you got... So you have somebody who has very conservative ideas that are actually, though, at least can fit within the rule of law. And even then, it was a struggle for my colleague to to finally stand up in class and say, this is unacceptable what's happening. So I think, you know, maybe the, the example in the current climate in the States is so ridiculously wacky that no you're not going to get you should not have anybody who believes in justice which assuming people go to law school and professors at law school do believe in justice but you may get it with a, a more kind of you know less radical kind of right-wing government um and that that's the you know that's probably a little bit more difficult to deal with
2: yeah, I think I agree. I think the like, the more dramatic it is, the harder it is to have that discussion, which I think is why that there's a, a big, there's a big whole stream of commentary that can come off of that. <laughs> but I will say, I think it is a nice thing in Canadian law schools because we're just a little bit kind of closer together on the two extremes. It does sort of impact the way you learn and think in, I think, the way it should, like the way that it's it's close enough that you can have a debate and be challenged and it's interesting without just being so like echo chamber polarized into your own
1: view.
0: Yeah, and I think again you say Aaron that given that it's a social justice law school, you're not likely to get many students who are on that side, and if they are, they will never reveal themselves. I guess. <laughs> I mean, I, but Felicity said, you know, in Toronto, people go to Osgoode because they couldn't get into U of T. Is there is there some population of your law school that want, wished that they got in at Harvard or,
2: uh,
1: you know, <laughs> all of all of everyone
2: in the states? <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah, I mean, I I'm sure that there is, and I think that um, yeah, that's something. Uh, that has definitely come up in uh, sort of when I'm TAing 1L classes and stuff like that, that we do try to be mindful of is, you know, there's a big chunk, big chunk of us who uh, came to like sold on public interest. And that's why we wanted to be there. But we know that that's not the reality for everyone who's there. um, And that there's six or seven, I think, uh, law schools in the sort of greater Boston area. And for some people who are at NUSL, it's because they live in Boston and they didn't want to move, and this is a school that they got into. Um, so it definitely, um, I'm sure that the sort of, um, like focusing only on social justice is not necessarily everybody's law school journey at Newsle. Um And I think that um, one thing that we do lose a little bit in being in a school where sort of the whole curriculum is on that same page of social justice is we don't necessarily develop those skills of having, you know, an intellectual debate with somebody whose views are, you know, all the way on the other side. Um, so, I mean, that is something that I've thought about sort of as part of my law school career is in like, it, is it maybe not a great thing that I, can't figure out how to like empathize or have a productive conversation with somebody who has these views that are all the way over on the <laughs> other side who well, you,
2: you will presumably one day have to argue against those things so it would be yeah. nice to understand yes. them yes.
1: yeah i mean i i have an interest in like uh housing security and i know that one like at some point i'm gonna i mean i already have in co-op come across you know landlords attorneys who i just struggle to understand where they're coming from at all and i mean it can only go further from there
0: yeah. <laughs> empathy is great except when you have to empathize with a an evil right winger right
1: <laughs>
0: but the, so the segue to that though is uh and this is another question i wanted to ask of you because it's it's disappeared from canadian law schools and we have had a few little comments about it do they still use the socratic method at your law school
1: Um, at my law school, it depends sort of professor to professor. Um, and certainly I think that it's more common in the, the 1L doctrinal classes than it is when you get into sort of upper level discussion groups. Uh, and, uh, so I had in my first semester of 1L, my civil procedure professor, um, was sort of the last of a dying breed of Socratic method, uh, profs where he would sort of go down, come up to the front of the room with his big uh, seating chart with everyone's ID photos on it and would just sort of point out like, you, this case. Um, but I also think that the, the environment of it was not as like scary as all of the sort of law school media and rumors that you hear about like being cold called and the Socratic method <laughs> didn't really hold true to me uh, that much. Oh, okay. But I think part of that um, is that uh, Newsel doesn't have a class rank, um, so you're not competing against the other students to be at the top of the class, and the opportunities that you have aren't dependent on that class rank. So it's a little bit more collegial than what I've heard a, other schools are like. <laughs> do you have a curve, or do you just just no a pass curve. fail? Um, so, we have uh, what's called honorifics. So, for a few years, they were just pass fail, but then that became difficult to sort of like distinguish. Um, so, we've got uh, it goes high honors, honors, pass, marginal pass, fail. Um, marginal pass. Mar- marginal yeah. pass.
0: Marginal pass.
1: <laughs> <laughs> just MPs get degrees. Um, but no. Uh, so, and then with that, we have on our transcript is a narrative evaluation from each of our professors. Um, So it's sort of like returning to report card time where, you know, Aaron is proficient at blank. um, And some professors... That's how I feel. Proficient at blank. (laughs) Some professors will make it really uh, personal and go into a lot of detail. Um, So you get your public transcript that has professors saying nice things about you that they're required to say um and then you have a private section of your transcript that is not public that is uh notes to student where they talk about things that you could improve on or concepts that they didn't think that you totally got um so it's a great opportunity to like learn for learning's sake without having it be compared to your classmates
2: That's <laughs> i really- can tell you right now richard's gonna love that yeah. <laughs>
0: Well, I no, I do. You're right, Felicity. Felicity knows me too well. But I, I that's quite uh, that that's pretty progressive. I like that idea because yeah. the private. So, who gets to see the private part? Just the student. And, just
1: the student. Yeah.
0: yeah. So, and, and you,
2: how many people do you have in your class? Because that just seems like a lot of work. That is, yeah, yeah.
1: That's, that's so, the part it I don't like. It is. <laughs> Especially for uh, the one L class, we're in sections of about seventy students. Uh, so, for all of the one L doctrinal classes, they're writing. 70 separate evaluations. Um, So on those classes, sometimes it's a little bit of a, like some professors will just kind of put in like the learning outcomes and check off how you did on them. And some will write a like longer evaluation. But it also comes in really handy when you're applying to jobs because your transcript has basically a mini letter of recommendation from every professor who's ever taught you.
0: (laughs) So is the private part though, is, are they very candid? Do they do, they do say some pretty tough things sometimes then or you wouldn't know Aaron, because you've done so well throughout
1: all of mine are perfect (laughs) um no uh it it, again it varies uh sort of based on the professor um but a lot of times it'll be sort of specific feedback on how you did on your exam um or sometimes it'll just be sort of like more candid uh things like that i've had a professor ask me if i wanted to ta for them via the notes to student section just to see if i was reading it Yeah. So not only
2: do you use them to apply to jobs, but you get job offers through them. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think that um, on the theme of Richard and Felicity try to change the world through their podcast, this is one of the ways that we can recommend.
0: That, I know Aaron, um, has, Aaron has given us two things, one each podcast. Yes. That might be have a new goal for every guest as well, Felicity, that they should come up. How can some. how can
2: we change the world?
0: Yeah. One one little law school <laughs> tidbit at a time right well I like it
2: I do on that high note I think we have to let Aaron go um but I like that we're changing the world one Aaron request at a time
0: yeah and me too and Aaron we may have to call you back because if we've run out if we don't get many good ideas going forward from other guests you're you're coming (laughs) back on (laughs) oh
1: no okay I'll start up a list
0: (laughs) (laughs) no seriously thank you so much it was great having you and uh yeah I, i'd save the queen I, I, <laughs> yeah i was about to say i wish i i love boston but i'm i'm glad i'm not there frankly <laughs> you know why <laughs> take care thanks right. aaron bye-bye
1: thanks for having me bye